don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. We have got a, uh, I'm going to do a quick read today. I'm actually skipping a couple of the ones that I had on my list um, because uh, I just stumbled across this yesterday. When was this released? The 18th? Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Well, what do you know? Um, and this is from uh, Andrew Palstra, uh on Blockstream.com. This is their blog. And they're unleashing or revealing, I guess, uh, to the world a new multi-signature standard called MuSig. And we'll be jumping into that in just a second. I got a couple announcements, um, and I'll probably be hitting these again uh, in the next Guys Take episode, which uh, I've got a lot of stuff planned uh, coming up. I've been, I've been trying to get better organized on this end of things. Uh, uh, first in just making notes of everything I want to do an episode on, which I'm going to have to start doing a better job of conglomerating that all into one location. I'm, I'm doing it on like an app on my phone, uh, a, a different, uh, a different program on my computer. And I'm trying to, I'm going to have to try to get them into a, a single location and uh, maybe like something like Evernote or whatever. So I can talk to all my devices at once. Um, but uh, so uh, one other thing that has been important in getting organized on this side, I think, has been writing down all of my ideas and or uh, uh, things to expand on right when they happen. Uh, get them up there so that I can look at a full list of all the things I either want to do or I know I'm in the uh, process of doing because I've let some things fall behind just because I've kind of forgotten about them. Um, I've started on them, like the uh, Mastering Bitcoin. It's not really that I've forgotten about it. It's that it's always in the back of my mind. So I'll do my regular stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I'll be like, I didn't work on Mastering Bitcoin today. Um, so, uh, and I'm, I'm getting, I'm making progress toward that. So that's one thing to keep in the background is for anybody who wanted audio and expanded uh, conversation or tutorials on Mastering Bitcoin, the book by Andreas Antonopoulos. Uh, I hope to have something in the way of that very soon, so keep an eye out. Um, also, on the website at CryptoEconomy.life, we have a brand new collections page. I've redesigned it. Uh, looks a lot prettier now. And uh, also have released my second playlist. Um, that's economics and money. So now we've got Understanding the Lightning Network, which is coming in at about 16 hours of episodes. Um, and then we've got economics and money, the fundamentals of economics and money, which I think is at about eight hours right now. And I've got one in the mix to be adding to that playlist soon. Okay, and uh, I got, I got a, uh, probably this week, Probably this week I'll be adding a new playlist. I don't know because my plan was to have the Understanding Bitcoin playlist next, but that one's crazy, crazy long because that's the bulk of what my episodes are on the show are about. Um, and uh, so 
I've been trying to decide if I want to break that into like two different types of episodes, like Bitcoin philosophy and uh, Bitcoin technicals or something like that. Um, so uh, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go. If I do have it all a single, like understanding Bitcoin playlist, that one will take quite a bit longer to actually get through the entire short code. Um, uh, but regardless, I hope to have another playlist out before the end of the week, um, maybe over the weekend, uh, since I actually have some time this weekend to stay focused on this. And, ooh, we're going to have a lightning episode coming up soon. There has been a ton of fun development on lightning, uh, some new services, and I am sitting now on probably five hours Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know. I haven't really looked at it. I have so much footage of me setting up nodes and uh, trying out, uh, you know, new software or apps or whatever on my computer. And, uh, like, I'm trying to switch over my CentOS machine now to Ubuntu because CentOS has been giving me such a pain in the butt. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why it's being so terrible. The, the interface is not responding it might just be the piece of crap secondhand computer I bought for it. Uh, I'm going to be really sad if that's the case because, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of money on it, but I'm going to be pissed if the thing is just not going to serve my purposes. I can't, I can't have a, I'm trying to have it as another lightning node and I can't have it be my routing node and like my BTC pay server if it's a piece of crap and is unreliable. Um, so I've been working on a lot of that stuff in the background and uh, I have tons of footage of just screen recordings and me talking and screenshots and all that good stuff uh, that I want to turn into post. So that will be on the horizon soon. Again, lots of stuff going on. Uh, everybody keep an eye out. Check out CryptoEconomy.life where I will have all of that stuff posted. And check out the new collections page. I think there is some really, really fun stuff in those playlists to explore. All right. So, I think that's everything out of the way. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into uh, Blockstream's blog post, and we will be talking about a couple of different things in this regard at the end. And it is titled, uh, was published yesterday by Andrew Poelstra, and it is titled, Music, a new multi-signature standard. And this is really, really exciting because this is going to be an introduction to this will be the first time that Schnorr signatures are available to play with, and I can't wait to see what comes of this. All right, so without further ado, let's jump right in. Bitcoin and related blockchains, such as Blockstream's Liquid, use the ECDSA signature algorithm to verify ownership and transfer of coins stored in the system. This was a technical decision apparently made in 2008 based on the widely used and unpatented digital signature systems available at the time. However, ECDSA has some serious technical limitations, in particular, multi-signatures and threshold signatures, signatures made by a quorum of independent parties rather than a single person, are very difficult to produce with ECDSA. ECDSA signatures have a complex algebraic structure that makes them inflexible and difficult to work with, forcing developers to use Bitcoin script for applications such as cross-chain atomic swaps or Lightning, 
which could be implemented more compactly and privately using a more flexible signature scheme. However, while the state-of-the-art in digital signatures has advanced significantly since 2008, the alternative signature schemes described in the literature overlook many practical requirements for real-world usage. In particular, they often assume signers have complete control over how and when their keys are generated, that they always have access to perfect randomness, that they have persistent, reliable, and secure memory. In practice, Bitcoin users often have restricted access to their keys, little control over the price key generation mechanism, and no control over how external parties use the addresses that they generate. To address these concerns, we started an initiative to design a new signature scheme and a significant practical engineering effort to implement it in a robust and anti-fragile way. Introduction in the first half of last year, in collaboration with Yannick Siren and Gregory Maxwell, Blockstream cryptographer Peter Wella and I published a new multi-signature scheme called MuSig. This multi-signature scheme offered provable security even against colluding subsets of malicious signers and produces signatures indistinguishable from ordinary single-signer Schnorr signatures. Since then, we've been turning MuSig from an academic paper into usable code. And this week, we merged that code into SecP256K1-ZKP, a fork of SecP256K1, the high-assurance cryptographic library used by Bitcoin Core, which we've extended to add confidential transaction support for elements and liquid. As the Bitcoin community is exploring the use of Schnorr signatures in Bitcoin, we hope that our code will eventually be merged into the upstream library SecP256K1 used by Bitcoin Core and many other projects. Our code produces signatures compliant with BIP Schnorr and can also produce adapter signatures, which could enable lightning in scriptless script. Why Music? As we discussed last year, the cryptographic literature has many existing multi-signature schemes, and a reasonable question to ask is why we needed to develop our own. The answer, in short, is that we had two requirements not yet met by any existing schemes. One, short, constant-size signatures, which look the same to verifiers, regardless of signer set. In a blockchain system, verification efficiency is the most important consideration, and it doesn't make sense to burden verifiers with the details of signer composition any more than is necessary to prevent theft. As a further benefit, MuSig signatures improve privacy since they hide the exact signer policy. 2. Provable security in the plain public key model. What this means is that signers have full flexibility to contribute to a multi-signature using ordinary key pairs without providing any extra information about the specific way these keys were produced or are controlled. Information about key generation may be hard to provide in a Bitcoin context as individual signers have varied and restrictive key management policies. In addition, a dependency on key generation details may interact badly with Taproot, 
a proposed Bitcoin extension in which public signature keys may have additional invisible semantics encoded in them. Further, since announcing MUSIG, we have learned that many published signature schemes, including an earlier unpublished version of MUSIG, are actually insecure. We will explore this further in a future post, but for now, it suffices to say that our work was cut out for us developing a multi-signature scheme suitable for Bitcoin and Liquid. Pitfalls and Safe API Development Like all mathematical descriptions of multi-signature protocols, MUSIG, as published, assumes participants who have access to memory throughout the signing process, which is persistent easily updated, and can't be reset to previous states by attackers. It also assumes signers have access to randomness sources that are indistinguishable from uniform. Unfortunately, the real world is not so simple, and we spent a lot of effort designing an API which can be used in a wide variety of scenarios without the possibility of limited hardware or unstated assumptions leading to the loss of secret key material. MUSIG signatures, just like Schnorr signatures or ECDSA, use in their construction a secret nonce, which must be produced uniformly, randomly. Any deviation from uniform, even by a single bit, can lead to secret key loss and stolen funds. Link provided. Our primary design goal was to create a misuse-resistant API without sharp corners and which doesn't encourage dangerous usage patterns even in constrained environments. Uniform Randomness With individual signatures, the standard approach to achieving uniformly random nonces is simple. Take some secret data and the message to be signed and pass these through a cryptographic hash function to get a uniformly random value that will be independent for every message to be signed. However, with multi-signatures, the straightforward and robust solution becomes a liability. A malicious signer might request two multi-signatures on the same message, tweaking her own contribution to the signature on the second iteration. If the first signer chooses his nonce by hashing a secret alongside the message, he'll end up using the same nonce in two very different signatures, essentially the same failure mode that caused the PlayStation 3 to be hacked. Unfortunately, unlike the single signer case, there is no simple solution because individual signers must choose their nonces before knowing all the details of the signature to be produced. A traditional solution to this problem, and the one used before the hashing became popular, is to use a hardware random number generator. Unfortunately, these are expensive, subject to environmental biases or other external influence, and most importantly, there's no way to verify their correct operation. The latter point about verification has some creative solutions which we will explore in a future post. For now, our choice was to require API users provide a unique session ID for every signing session. Nonces are produced by hashing the signer's secret, the set of signers, the message to be signed, and finally, this session unique input. Users who have access to a random number generator may use it to produce session IDs. Those who have access to persistent memory may simply use a counter. 
We are not happy about requiring random numbers or persistent memory and expect our ongoing research will soon be able to produce a truly robust solution. All right, let's take a break real quick and hit our sponsor and we will jump back into this at Replay Attacks. Replay Attacks. Even with a solid source of randomness, it is still possible to extract secret keys from a participant in a multi-signature if it is possible to replay a signing protocol from a point part way through the process. This type of attack is called a replay attack and can be carried out against a signer operating inside a restartable virtual machine or one which supports interrupting signing and restoring from some serialized state. It can even accidentally occur without an active attacker, for example by running two virtual machines cloned from the same state, or by executing code on a distributed database which has come out of sync. Specifically, if a signer contributes to a multi-signature and the signing process is restarted at a point after choosing his nonce. It is possible to modify the other signer's contributions to the signature to execute essentially the same attack as in the previous section. These sorts of attacks do not arise with single signatures because they're produced in one step with no intermediate state to restart from. These additional challenges are unique to multi-round cryptographic protocols. Without new mechanisms, which are a subject we are actively researching, there is nothing we can do to protect users signing in virtual machines. Though we can observe that using virtual machines is already lower security because a machine an attacker can reset is likely a machine an attacker can directly extract secrets from. To protect signers who may serialize stale states and restart from them, our API simply does not support serialization of signing sessions. What this means in practice is that users of our code who want to support signing sessions that can survive across power resets or interruptions, which is a reasonable goal for a hardware wallet, must maintain secure persistent memory. If such wallets want to support multiple signing sessions in parallel, they require additional persistent memory for every parallel session. Again, this limitation is one we believe we can eliminate using approaches we are actively researching. Conclusion and more to come. Implicit in all of the above discussion is the observation that multi-party protocols present new and substantially more difficult challenges than single-party protocols. In terms of mathematical complexity, MUSIG is far simpler than, for example, bulletproofs. But in terms of implementation complexity, MUSIG has taken more effort and required more trade-offs between anti-fragility and API flexibility. This post has only described multi-signatures, signatures in which N-signers collaborate to produce a single signature. In a future post, we will describe threshold signatures, a related concept in which any subset of the N-signers, provided they are sufficient in quantity, are able to produce signatures without contribution from the entire group. In future posts, we will also discuss some techniques for making nonce randomness safer to produce and more verifiable.
in particular by using a technique called sign to contract. It is possible for a host computer to eliminate any possibility of bias from an untrustworthy hardware wallet's random number generator. Going even further, by leveraging the power of zero-knowledge proofs, it should be possible to eliminate the risks posed by bias randomness and replay attacks, remove the requirement for persistent memory, and reduce the MUSIC protocol from three rounds to two. We are excited about this possibility and look forward to sharing our results as they continue to develop. Our code is publicly available on GitHub, and we encourage people to play with it and provide feedback. And there we have it. That is the release, and code is now available for the MUSIG protocol, and it looks like there's still tons of work to be done on this. But this is a really exciting development. Um, that article may be uh, a bit over your head. Um, it was... Uh, quite a bit over mine. I did uh, a lot of digging um, into uh, their paper, their specific multi-signature scheme paper um, for uh, for Musig. Uh, lots and lots of math in it, and I tried to get as much. I tried to glean as much information about it as possible without. I don't. I don't have the time to. Uh, go through 1,800 calculus videos to figure out what kind of <laughs> what all the math means. Um, but one thing I did want to try to understand a little bit better was the rogue key attack. So, um, and this is something that I'm understanding was a problem with uh, two earlier versions of similar multi-signature schemes that they're building off of here, um, because one of the earlier ones had uh, had like a two-stage uh, process, but I think it was. Oh, what was it? They, they, the, the, the aggregation was not, uh, aggregation was not possible. One second, let me check on this again real quick. Okay, yeah. So it's the Macaulay Oda Ryzen multi-signature scheme, and it had a uh, really kind of complex key generation protocol, um, like that was that was interactive between the participants. And uh, that was part of its limitation, but it was the one that was able to prove that this was secure with a normal public key model. Um, so you're using the same discrete logarithm assumption, and you're able to prove that even though you've got all this stuff going on, you can still basically just use the public keys to prove that the private keys were involved in the signing. Um, and... Uh, uh, but it did not allow for key aggregation because you needed the entire list of public keys in order to uh, in order to verify um, the the final multisig uh, key, um, and that was when that's one of the problems is you have a you've got this trade off the series of trade offs between um, how accessible it is in trying to create the key between a set of parties, like how, how much of a pain in the ass is this? Can it be stopped in the middle and continued? Um, like, you know, pers it talked about persistent memory, and right now this is, the, this is the version that has, you have to have some sort of persistent memory. So if you don't, if, if you're in the middle of uh, uh, setting up this multi-signature scheme and your system goes down, then it's no good. 
Um, you can't complete it later. Uh, they've actually eliminated serializing it because it opens you to an attack. Um, and uh, so basically, there's that limitation in this one, but it's done for the sake of verification and security. So the verification at the end is still uh, is as clean as it can get, which I love that that's their focus. Um, because for somebody who really does not understand this stuff that great, um, it's at least the math of it, um, it's good to know that the whole point of all of this, um, because e even though the, the math is simpler, as they say, um, the, uh, uh, it's about making the verification incredibly efficient and based on all the same assumptions that we're used to in verifying any of these signatures, um, even though the interaction the interaction process might be a lot more complicated like the actual implementation of it um, and uh, so one of the problems with these schemes was something called the rogue key attack and I went I did a little digging and you cannot really find a decent explanation about this that is not just a buttload of math um, and I did find uh, some rogue key attacks on multi designated verifiers um, but, uh, uh, and that was sourced from a, a lot of different things that I was going through, but it's, it appears that I have to pay $40 to get it. So, and they don't accept Bitcoin or lightning. So, um, I don't think I'm going to do that. Unfortunately, I may dig a little bit deeper into this, but I got too much stuff to cover. So I'm probably not going to go that far into it. The basic idea though, what I gather from what the actual music paper was talking about is, uh, uh, and from the math that I can discern, is that it looks like there is some sort of a conflict in a rogue key attack with verifying that the public keys used by the other signers were in fact, uh, or the signatures used by the other signers were in fact created from the private key and not from a modification of the public key. So, so the public key is public. Like anybody can just grab it. Like I could grab, like if somebody has posted their public key, I could grab it and modify it and do whatever I want with it because it's just out there. Um, and, you know, normally that's not an issue. But apparently in this scenario with the rogue key attack, the attacker could, like if they knew the pool of signatures that are going into this, they could take those public keys and make a modification of it. So they have these uh, public keys that don't look exactly the same as the other public keys and then sign with those. And apparently uh, this, this keeps that public key valid and they've uh, essentially given you or whoever they're attacking a pool of forged signatures that you cannot verify without some signature authority, like a certificate authority that um, uh, would basically allow you to check against this. As, this, is, this is my best explanation of it from something that I do not fully understand. So if, if this is not coming across, uh, I could be... I could be getting some of these details wrong, so uh, uh, give me the benefit of the doubt here. Um, but it's it sounds like part of that process would literally be like individual verification of everybody's uh, signatures, which is like if you've ever you know had to do that for software, which if you're in Bitcoin, hopefully you have done that. It sounds like a really lengthy and obnoxious process. 
um, to, to have to do this for anything in a multi-signature scheme. And again, this whole proposal as it stands does not allow for, is not yet ready, is not yet ready, is not yet ready for threshold signatures, which is when you know rather than having like a five of five and a multi-signature where you need all five of those keys to sign, you would have a threshold of three where any three of the people plus one in that set of five could sign the agreement. So it'd be a three of five, essentially, um, or four or five or five of five, because it's just a threshold. It's anything that threshold or higher um, that uh, allows the, the key to be signed validly. So uh, with the rogue key attack, I have to admit, I don't quite understand, because as soon as they were like, uh, here are all the forged signatures, and this is the problem it caused, they just threw this giant math equation. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't follow that. So I don't exactly know how the rogue key attack, like somebody being able to forge someone else's, or use someone else, like a modified public key to forge signatures, make you think that you're signing with these participants. I don't exactly know how that um, causes a problem, um, like what they're actually getting out of it. Like it seems like when you think about it, like maybe that would allow them I mean, if they're signing it with those other public keys, I mean, that would technically have you signing with four other people who couldn't unsign, like, couldn't release the coins. So, you know, maybe you're just burning coins in that scenario. I don't know how it would expose your key at all. Um, but regardless, it seems like a terrible thing to leave open um, in the process. Uh, and the the purpose of Musig and kind of the use of Schnorr in all of this is, as they said in these two, uh, two examples that they gave in the article, was to have short, constant size signatures so that when you're verifying, when somebody is verifying the data on the blockchain or a third party is verifying the signature or you yourself are verifying signatures of a signer set that you participated in, it's all incredibly straightforward. It's based on the same uh, and part two was that it's based on the same public key uh, security assumptions. Um, so you're using the same math and the same verifica verification process with uh, MUSIG, with complex MUSIG signatures and threshold signatures as you are with any other type of signature. So there's no there's no new assumptions you have to make. You don't have to you don't have to give any new uh, you know, like hardware or key or public key verification certificate authorities, nothing like that. You don't need any extra information. It's all the same game that we've been playing up until now, even though the process of creating this signature is very different and has a lot more involved um, and a whole lot more benefits. Um, the fact that, you know, you're down to one signature, like a single signature that's an aggregation of all these other signatures and that is also a smaller and constant size signature. The, the added privacy benefits of these things is, is going to be huge. And hopefully, hopefully all these kinks get worked out because it looks like, like digging into this, it's amazing how many, um, uh, like the, the actual paper, I think, hold on a second, where is it? Um, 
they're talking. So here we're talking about the rogue key uh, attacks, and it's like such attacks decimated early proposals. And they list one, two, three, four, five, six, seven proposals. And then we have the Macaulay Auto, Auto uh, Ryzen proposal um, that's uh, apparently solved this provably secure uh, issue, um, but was still you know open has a lot of limitations and drawbacks in response or in consequence to this one. So it's just fast like they just made their whole they're like yeah all these weren't quite right so we're just gonna we're just gonna invent a whole new one these guys really are these these are the these are the golden ticket cypherpunks right here um so this is pretty serious stuff i wish i understood it on a deeper level i'm probably just gonna go i'm probably gonna touch on uh, one piece of it, because I've been slowly picking up things, like looking like when people start talking in variables and math equations, it's so hard to follow. I feel like I'm reading Chinese and looking up every individual element or piece in the thing. Um, so I've been slowly trying to get, like I'll watch one more video on this one, like this one calculus thing or something. I haven't taken calculus in I don't know how long. And uh, I didn't do good anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and take a couple minutes and watch some video about calculus or uh, you know maybe the summation equation. I'll see if I can find something maybe specifically on ECDSA uh, and try to expand my brain just a little bit in that avenue. So the next time I go across one of these articles and. Uh, official signature papers I can glean just a tiny little bit more information out of it and make it translatable to the people who are listening to me who hopefully uh hopefully I don't make too many stupid assumptions or I mean I think I think I know some of what I'm reading you know a lot of it is just English words so I'm I'm getting a lot of information out of that Uh, we'll get baby steps Baby steps, a little bit every day. That's how I got to know everything that I know about Bitcoin, just a little bit every day. Baby steps. Maybe one day I'll be able to look at these equations and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that shit's easy. I know that stuff. (laughs) All right, guys, Uh, we will close this one here. Thank you so much for listening. Again, that was from Blockstream.com on their blog, uh, announcing Musig, a new multi-signature standard. And uh, do not forget to check out all of the stuff Blockstream is doing, Andrew Puelstra, Peter Wella, Gregory Maxwell, um, uh, who was it, Yannick Siren? Yeah, Yannick Siren. Um, check out all of these guys. If you're not, if you're not following, you're missing, you're missing the, like, literally the, the code core that is making this stuff uh, run and making this stuff secure and easy to verify on the uh, user end. So... Tons of exciting stuff. We're going to talk a lot more about this in the future, and hopefully it will be a little bit, uh, what's the word, higher level, so that it's uh, uh, easier to explain in the future. Do not forget to check out uh, cryptoeconomy.life, where we have all of this stuff posted, and further discussions about Schnorr signatures and multi-signatures from tons of other people working and writing in this space. There is tons of stuff to dive into, and like I said, I'm going to have some understanding Bitcoin playlists, and I'm going to have a Bitcoin development playlist um, coming soon. So 
check all that stuff out. Don't forget to follow me. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to retweet this out and share it with as many people as you know in the crypto economy space so they too can hear about all the awesome stuff and the best articles in the crypto economy. All right, guys, this has been the Crypto Economy Podcast. I am Guy Swan, and I am out. I will catch you guys next time. Until then, take it easy, guys.